0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Before Jesus took his last breath, He said, it is finished. What is finished? Our salvation is finished. Satan is finished. Self is finished. The old man has been crucified with him on the cross and has died with Jesus. The work that Jesus came to do has been finished. Every prophecy is finished. Redemption finished, completed. The sin-bearing has been accomplished and finished. The righteous requirements of the law is completed and finished. Maybe this will get somebody excited. The stronghold of the devil has been broken, and the love of God has been portrayed perfectly to tell us that it is finished. If you've been with us, you know chapter 20. Look at chapter 20 in verse 1. Peruse with me right through verse 10. In chapter 20, it was early in the morning, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb of Jesus with spices. This is the same Mary Magdalene that was possessed by the demons. By the way, on our last trip, we went to Magdala, didn't we? And uh, that was a blessing. We saw where Mary Magdalene was from. And when she met Jesus, he set her free of being demon-possessed. And she never left his side. She was at the cross when he died and at the tomb when he was buried. And the other Mary was Mrs. Zebedee. Got a pen? Mrs. Zebedee. Solomon. Salome, pardon me. She is the wife of Zebedee and the mother of the sons of thunder, James and John. And when the Marys arrived at the tomb that early morning, they met two angels. And one angel said, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? In Luke 24, you put the stories together. Keep in mind, they don't know the story. They haven't read chapter 20. Are y'all listening? They don't know that Jesus is risen and not in the grave. So they rise up early to seek a dead Jesus. I like to point that out, that these ladies are willing to get up early for a dead Jesus. My question to you is, are you willing to get up early for a living Jesus? You know, some people say, I'm just not an early morning person. I'm just not a morning person. I don't do mornings. Well, maybe you should start. Because seeking Jesus early, the Bible has so much to say about seeking the Lord early. So much to say about early in the morning, will I seek thee? Are you willing to get up early for a living, Jesus? Well, Mary gets to the tomb and she noticed the stone had been rolled away. And she ran and she told Peter and John, and Peter and John run to the tomb and they look in and they see the linen clothes lying like a cocoon intact on a stone slab. And remember I told you what that linen was. Do you remember what I told you the name of the linen was? The, anybody know? The Takrahim, the Takrahim. So it appears that they they wrapped Jesus in this linen cloth and it seems that when he rose from the grave that his body just rose up out of that tuck and the cloth just stayed in its form like a cocoon. Uh, You know, if you wrap your arm and you, you know, take the wrapping off your arm, the cloth is just going to be just laying right there. Well, it seems that Jesus got up out of that And that cloth is laying there like a cocoon and the head wrapping is folded neatly over in the corner. Look at verse eight of chapter 20. It tells us that they believed, believed what? Then they believed, believe what? They believed Jesus was alive. They believed it was a resurrection. There was no other explanation except the resurrection. He believed grave robbers did not take the body. They believed nobody stole the body of Jesus. How could they get past the Roman guards and break the imperial seal and walk right past the Roman guards? Look at verse 10. It tells us, then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Now, after Jesus rose from the grave He appeared approximately 11 times. You want to write something down? Write this down. He appeared approximately 11 times to about 500 people post-resurrection. Now, in our text today, John only talks about three of those appearances of which we are going to talk about. Got your pen? Got your pad? Number one, he appears to Mary Magdalene in verses 11 through 18. And then number two, he appears to his disciples in verse 19 through 23. He appears to Mary Magdalene, verse 11 through 18. He appears to his disciples in verse 19 through 23. And then he appears to Thomas in verse 24 through tw- 31. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about these three appearances. Beginning in verse 11, we're post-resurrection. And post-resurrection, Jesus does two things. Number one, got a pen? He's collecting and comforting. He's collecting his purchased possession, and he's comforting all those who are brokenhearted. I've titled this sermon, Collecting and Comforting Post-Resurrection, John 20, 11 through 31. We'll take it in pieces. John chapter 20, saints, picking up in verse 11 If you're looking at verse 11, I need you to say amen. I need you to say a better amen than that. If you're looking at verse 11, say amen. Amen. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and she looked into the tomb and she saw how many angels? Two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus there and she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, then tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brother and say to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father. And what? Y'all read it with me. And to my God and your God and Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. The resurrection has taken place. And Jesus has done what he said he would do. He has conquered death. Somebody say amen. Before the sun rose on the third day, the son of righteousness has already risen with healing in his wings. The bridegroom has already gone out of the chamber. He has completed our salvation and he approved it. And he proved it by raising or rising from the grave. Now, Jesus didn't only rise from the grave and go right into heaven. He stayed around and had a few face-to-face confrontations with people. And one of the greatest proofs, listen to me, one of the greatest proofs that Jesus is risen is that he saw people and people saw him after he rose. I told you, that the Christian faith, got your pen? The Christian faith rests on two things. Number one, the death of Jesus, and number two, Jesus' resurrection. The Christian faith rests on Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection. And both are equally important and both are essential to be saved. The resurrection without the atoning death of Jesus would be powerless, and the atoning death without the resurrection would be pointless. So they both are equally important and both are essential. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12 through 14. Now, if Christ is preached that he is raised from the dead, then how do some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. For if the dead do not rise and Christ is not risen, if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile. I told you that the resurrection is the hinge on which the door of Christianity swings. And everything that we are, are you listening? Everything that we are and everything that we believe hinges on the resurrection factor. If the resurrection is not true, our faith is in vain. If the resurrection is not true, then all Jesus went through is in vain. If Jesus didn't rise, then he is no different than any other dead prophet. The fact is, he did rise. I'll say a better amen than that. He did rise. And he proved it with many eyewitnesses. Now, in Jesus' day and in John's day, there were these people going around spreading what was called the Gnostic heresy. Gnostic G silent, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, the Gnostic heresy. The Gnostics claim to have super knowledge of God. The Gnostics said that Jesus, when he rose from the grave, was just a spirit. He was like a ghost, that he really didn't rise physically from the dead. They said that we have eyewitness reports that when Jesus walked on the shore, he didn't leave any footprints. They said no one ever, ever saw him take a bite of food, that he just put it to his mouth. And that's why John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, John said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, y'all with me? Concerning the word of life, the life was manifested and we have seen and we bear witness and we declare to you that that eternal life, which was with the father, was manifested unto us. John is saying, hold on, Tonto. We saw him with our eyes. We touched him with our hands. We held him. John says, Jesus didn't rise in spirit. He didn't rise a ghost. We fellowship with him. We had an encounter with the eternal God. John says, I saw him face to face with my own two eyeballs. I've touched him. He wasn't a phantom or a ghost. He was a word of life. Well, let's get to it. Point number one, he appears to Mary Magdalene. Look at verse 11. Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And while she's crying, she looked in the tomb and she saw two angels in white, one sitting at the head, the other sitting at the feet. Mark 16.5 tells us that they look like young men. Luke 24.4 tells us they were men. So angels take on the appearance of men. So then the question is, why don't they take on the appearance of women? The answer is, I don't know. Wasn't that deep? It's profound. I don't know. It does seem in scripture, whenever God is doing something great, angels are always around somewhere. So the angel said, woman, why are you weeping? She said, because they have taken my Lord and I don't know where they have laid him. Look at verse 15. It tells us she thinks she's talking to the gardener. Now, listen, listen, listen. Actually, she is. And she doesn't know it. She is talking to the gardener because he is the creator of all things. Amen, saints. And he created the garden of Eden. Yes. So he is the garden and gardener. That's another sermon. We'll talk about that later. Verse 15. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, then tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away myself. The Greek reads, and as for myself, I will take him away. She's saying, tell me where you put him. And I will fling him over my shoulders and take his dead body out of here. Now, that's love. Can you imagine this little Jewish woman? She's probably 98 pounds soaking wet. And Jesus was probably 170, 180 pounds. Jesus was in good shape. Jesus was in great shape. As a matter of fact, I just came from Israel. We walked all over the place. (laughs) I am telling y'all, at the end of the day, Pastor Rodney was hurting for certain. I told him, "I right, go find me some bath salt." I got y'all, when your legs are my feet, my legs, I, I got in the bath salt. I'm laying there. I'm like, Jesus. Hallelujah, heal me, Jesus. Oh, my legs. Jesus was in good shape. He walked all over the place. When you go there, you'll see walking from Galilee to Jerusalem is a hike. Walking from Jerusalem to the Dead Sea is like to Jericho is crazy. And to some places in the Jordan, it's just crazy. So Jesus was in good shape. Can you imagine, say he was 170, 180 pounds. And you know, when you're dead, you're dead. And, (laughs) amen. And when you're dead, y'all like, yes, yeah. Mm, Yes. When you're dead, you're dead. And, uh, when you're dead, you're heavier. Your body is dead. So if he was 180 pounds, and you're you're like double your weight when you're dead, and she's like 280 pounds, this 98 pound woman soaking wet, she says, "Tell me where you laid him, and I'll take that 260 pound man and throw him or fling him over my shoulder." She's saying in the Greek, and and carry him away myself. That tells us that love knows no labor. Write it down. Love knows no burden. I believe at this point, Jesus couldn't take it anymore. Remember, 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 Jesus loved Mary and Mary loved Jesus. And it was probably breaking his heart that her heart was so broken. Where is he? Where you've taken him? Where is he? I'll tell me I'll go take him myself. Come on. Where is he? Jesus couldn't take it anymore. And Jesus said, Mary. And she turned and said, Rabboni, which means teacher. Now, I told you that there are at least six Marys in the Bible, and I believe each one of them had a different, Jesus kind of had a different tone to each of their names. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. When you got like multiple kids, you got a different tone for each of their names. You know what I mean? You know, like my son Rodney Jr. He on the drums. I call him for dinner. I say, bring your big head down here for dinner. A different tone. And then my daughter, you know, who sings, Chanel, you know, I tell her, we call her, you know, mother. We have lots of names for her. We're all mother. <laughs> you got, you know, different tones for, 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 for the names. And Jesus calls them differently. He might have said to one Mary, hey, Mary," And to another Mary, he said, yo, Mary. And to another, he says, hey, M.M., come here. Well, y'all better laugh. I've been, I've been st- studying all day. Sick as I am, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Y'all better be rolling on the floor right now. Hey, Mer. He had a different sound and a different tone. And obviously she recognized Jesus' voice. And she said, well, it's an endearing word. It implies my teacher. In verse 17, when she recognized his voice, she grabbed Jesus. Now, some of your versions might say that Jesus said, don't touch me. If you're reading that version, that's a wrong translation. Don't touch me. That doesn't make sense. Because in just six days, he's going to tell Thomas, touch me. He's going to tell Thomas, take your hand and put it in, the, take your hand and put it in my hand. Take your, take your fist and put it into my side. And don't be doubting, but believing, don't touch me is not a good translation. Jesus said to Mary, don't cling to me. Don't cling means Mary grabbed Jesus and wouldn't let him go. Mary had Jesus in a full Nelson. Jesus is saying, Mary or Miriam saying, don't hold on to me because it's not going to be like it was, Mary. I'm going to the Father. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to be with all the believers and I'm going to be living in you. So right now, Mary, don't hang on to me. I'm not going to stay. I must go to the Father. And don't miss this. Jesus says, Mary, go tell my brethren. Notice Jesus called them disciples. And then in John 15, Jesus called them friends. And now here we are post-resurrection. Jesus calls them brethren. We are his brothers. Post-resurrection, Jesus has a new relationship with all believers. Are you glad about it? Are you glad about it? A new relationship with all believers. Point number two, he appears to the disciples. Look at verse 19. If you're looking at verse 19, say, I'm looking at it. Well, then the same day at evening, same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst. And he said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Y'all getting this? And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be to you. As the father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, what do you say, saints? Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. He appeared to Mary. Give me your attention. He appeared to Mary to show himself faithful. Now he appears to the disciples to send the faithful. So the same day, the first day of the week, the disciples are behind closed doors. The the Greek language indicates that they were locked and barred in, hiding in fear of the Jews. So they're shivering with fear, probably knees knocking, teeth chattering. And I really like the words in this text, Jesus came. Don't you like that in verse 19? Jesus came. It sounds heroic, doesn't it? Jesus came. Jesus came. I I was reading some commentaries about this, and this is pretty hilarious. Jesus came. Some commentaries say that Jesus came, that Jesus climbed through the window. I ain't buying that. I'm sorry. I can't even imagine Jesus scaling up the wall and then, you know, climbing through the window. That's just ridiculous, okay? I ain't buying that. And then one guy said that he sneaked in before the door was locked and hid himself in the closet, and then he revealed himself. Ta-da! Okay, I'm not buying that. And then one guy said the, door, the doorkeeper lied and let him in. Listen, the Bible says he came. How did he come? The Bible doesn't tell us. Don't read into the Bible what the Bible does not say. That's how you get false teaching. That's how you get false, crazy, nutty theology. Okay? The Bible simply says he came. Now, it's okay to have speculation. And here's some speculation for you. It's in my opinion, my opinion, that when Jesus rose from the grave, he rose in a different body. He had a kind of different um, molecular structure uh, to his body, so he was able to walk through impervious walls or doors, so it 's my feeling that Jesus just kind of walked through the walls, that he just walked through the doors it 's possible that Jesus walked through the walls and said, "Peace be with you." Luke 24 tells us they were scared to death, and they said it 's a ghost. And to prove he wasn't a ghost, he showed them his scars. Do you understand? Get this: when we get to heaven, are y'all listening? Okay. When we get to heaven, the only man-made thing that we will see in heaven is his nail scarred hands, and his nail, his nail scarred or, or scarred brow. And the pierced side, and the nail scarred feet—those are the only man-made things we will see in heaven when Jesus returns. He's going to show the Israel those very scars. Now, where do you get that from, Pastor? Zechariah chapter twelve, verse ten tells us, "And I will pour." On the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. And then they will look on me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for his firstborn. When Jesus comes back, he will show Israel the scars. And when we see Jesus in heaven, we will see the scars that he bore on the cross. And maybe, listen, just maybe, that's what the Bible said means when it says he will wipe away every tear and there'll be no more weeping and no more sorrow because our first reaction when we see him and realize what we did we may start weeping and jesus said he's gonna wipe every tear away from our eyes
0: you have been listening to salt and light a radio outreach ministry of pastor rodney finch and calvary chapel Cary, located in apex north carolina